0: The way God words it, the way Moses words it, the way Joshua worded it, the way Jesus words it, is that it's not about just serving God uh, out of activity with just our hands, but it starts with our heart and our soul that the center of our being. And then it and then it moves to our mind and it moves to our, our strength, our hands, and what we do, but it it starts here, understanding how much we're loved and our response to God by loving him. Thank you for listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit our website centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Uh, Father, we thank you for today and I thank you for just opportunity that we get to come together again to, to, to just bring uh, our, our the past week uh, before you, the, the week that's in front of us, uh, Father, to to gather with uh, other believers and follow those that are uh, in the process of figuring out what it means to to follow you. And we just lay all of that before you today. As we open up your word, may you show us uh, who, we, who we are to know about ourselves, who we're supposed to be, uh, who you are as our one true God. May you reveal to us uh, the things that uh, that we don't know about you, uh, I, that we don't know about others. May you share with us, God, through your Holy Spirit, just the truth that we need to know. May the words that I speak may, may not distract from that, God, but, but just come alongside and, and help you, uh, Father, in, in, as if you need it. <laughs> but may, may they just help us to understand your word better. We love you. We praise you. We give you this time. Amen. Amen. You could have a seat. I've got a friend, uh, his name is Stu, and Stu is, uh, he's one of our vice presidents at our, our, for our denomination, and um, anytime that we get together to have like a, a, we have conference meetings, um, Stu will gather people together after kind of the meeting after the meeting, uh, and invite people over to his house, or he'll invite people up to maybe uh, his his room, and we sit around, and and we just kind of, we chat, but he's, focused in that chat. He doesn't let people just kind of ramble on about, because, you know, if, if conversations just kind of become about uh, about nothing and we're just shooting the breeze, we tend to puff ourselves up, right? We all want to talk about ourselves. So he, he kind of feeds on that, except he directs it. And so he asks questions like, uh, what, what theologian has had the greatest impact on your life? And you get a bunch of pastors and church planners and ministry leaders in a room and and then it just gets really boring. No, uh, well, uh, Or he'll say, what's the best book that you've, ever, that you've ever read? Because what that book is and who the author is and what that book is about says a lot about you as a person, if, if that's your favorite book. Uh, my favorite question that he always asks is, uh, what can you do better than anybody else in this entire room? It's fun to try to figure it out, but then we get to know each other. But through all of it, what we find out is what people value the most. How how we live is a determination to the people around us about what we elevate and what it is that we value. Today, uh, Jesus text uh, the, the, the read that we're gonna the text that we're gonna read, Jesus words. Uh, this is the last question that will get asked of Jesus. As if you've been with us, you know that we're we're studying the life of Christ. We're in his last week of life and ministry on this earth, uh, and he's teaching in the temple and we've looked at it and it's been week after week all taking place in the same day jesus has got to be so exhausted but all of these religious leaders just come at him they're just peppering him with questions because their intention is we're going to get him to say something heretical or something against the government that's going to get him arrested we're going to get rid of this guy so that we can be in charge again and so now today is it's the final question they don't really have anymore they've exhausted everything they can think of jesus answers always silence them, uh, and they go away and they make plans again on how they're going to come back, and we're going to get this guy. And so today, this response that Jesus gives to this question, I love that it's the last question because it summarizes everything. A lot of us are very familiar uh, with Jesus' answer uh, to what he has to say. Uh, this is found in, uh, in Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 to 40. So far, Jesus has uh, been asked about his take on religion and politics and history. Today, it's about the law. Um, To be more specific, the commands and which command is the greatest. In other words, what's the most important one uh, to follow? And this is Jesus' response. Let's stand together. Let me read for you uh, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Those are the words of Jesus. You can have a seat. We've heard this a lot. Uh, We as ministry leaders here at church have taught this a lot. It drives a lot of what we do. Love God and love others. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means to make disciples. Uh, Jesus had already now silenced the Sadducees. Remember that from last week? as uh, they had come after him uh, to talk about the resurrection, and he proves that it's true. And it says that when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, I love the word that actually Matthew uses. The word is not just silenced; it's muzzled. In other words, he shut them up. They, 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 couldn't even, they couldn't even speak. They were trapped in what it is that they had said because uh, he's speaking truth. And so they, the Pharisees hear about it, they gather together in another huddle like, man, what are we going to do to get this guy? He, he, he's just finding his way around all of them, and the people are, are starting to follow him even more, and they like him, and the people are astonished. They marveled at what Jesus had to say. And so this scribe probably rises up and is like, I got one, I got one. And so it says that he's a lawyer. That means he's, a, he's professional in the law of, of the commands, 619 of them to be exact, throughout the entire Old Testament. And this guy is an expert in all of them. And so he's like, let's ask him which of these commands is the most important to follow. Or what's the greatest? What, what holds uh, the most weight? Today, I'm, I've entitled it. You'll, you'll understand this as we move through the message from fringes to hinges. It's this idea of we as believers in Jesus Christ need to move uh, that from from just going through the motions to, to actually living out a life for Christ because of what it is that He's done for us. And at the center of it, the core of it, is it starts with love, God's love for us, our response to Him uh, that is authentic and true, as we say here at Century, active love. That It's not just a feeling, it's, there's action that's behind it. That's God's intent for us. So if we're going to move from just being about activity, religious activity, to, to actual impact in our lives and then impacting others. First, got to start at the beginning. Duh. Right? But, I mean, it sounds goofy, but I want to just take you back. We're going to move from fringes to hinges. Let's start at where, where the, the Pharisees are coming from in all of this. The discussion and the argument about what the greatest commandment or the command is in the Old Testament uh, was never-ending. It was like one of the most uh, prized conversations you could get in on uh, when it came to uh, religious discussion. So you had rabbis that would talk about it in the temple, or they'd talk about it in their synagogues, or at the city gate. As, the, as people would just gather at the gate, this conversation would come up a lot. Like, wh- who's, who's the most righteous because they're obeying the greatest command? What is the greatest most important law and a lot of times uh, some of the some of the wisest thinkers would say well the greatest command has to be measured off of what's the most severe punishment that God has for breaking those laws so they kind of make a list and, and but it was it was always n- never understood never settled on but they argued about it uh, a lot so Jesus response is not so much that one is the most valuable. What he's doing is he's trying to help people understand what they're all about. He basically is saying they can all be summarized. Why God has given these to us. You can summarize them in, in really these two commands that we narrow it down to. But one theme, and that theme is love. The word, is, 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 it's, again, it's not a feeling. It's agape. It's all in. It's giving my all, it's sacrificial, it's God's love, it's how He's loved us, is that He's gone all in by giving His one and only Son, and His expectation is that we would then, in return, go all in in our relationship with Him. And so the scribe asks the question, what's the greatest command? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you go to Mark's gospel, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter 12, it's the parallel. it's Mark's view, his telling uh, of, of this interaction that takes place. He expands on it, uh, and and he says that Jesus' response is, the greatest command is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the, the same command. He just Mark just is taking it back to... Uh, what Jesus did back to the book of Deuteronomy a- and uh, Moses' command to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is known as, we've talked about it a lot here, we actually uh, spent a lot of time on it in our, during our child dedication time here at Century, but um, this is known as the Shema. This is the fundamental foundational creed for the Jewish faith is, is that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. In other words, there is only one God. He is the greatest, and you need to remember at all times that He is the only one. And He's chosen you above all other people in the world. He made a covenant with Abraham, and He's taking you to the promised land. Never forget it, don't take your eyes off it. And Moses goes on to say, so talk about it when you walk on the road with your children. Talk about it when you put them to bed at night. Always talk about how great God is and who He is to us. That's that's just, the like I said, the, the foundation of our faith. Moses says, pay careful attention that you obey all the commands of God. So that it would multiply, that it would, that it would go well with you on this earth. Never forget that there is no other God. And our God is true. And he's great. So love him with all your heart and soul and strength. And so Moses says, these words should be written on your heart. And he says, and you write them on your arms. And you tie them between your forehead. And what Moses is saying is, you just never stop Focusing on the fact that there is one true God, and He cares about you, He loves you. So you find in Orthodox Judaism nowadays, you, you'd see it uh, that that you'll find um, um, some Orthodox Jews that have uh, a little black box that are that's tied to their forehead. Inside of it is the Shema, it's scriptures, and then a leather strap that ties it on there and then wraps down around their arms because Deuteronomy six says, "Never forget." Put it on your arms or put it on the doorposts of your house. So people have mezuzahs, have these scrolls that are on their on their door frames. It's just this idea of don't stop, never forget. Don't stop talking about it. And so uh, uh, there were even more ways to remember these laws. And actually, God gave another law on how to remember. We've talked about this before, but this is a prayer shawl. And, and in Leviticus uh, or numbers chapter fifteen uh, God says in order to remember the commands he says, "I want you to I want you to sew fringes on the corners of your garments now not a lot of robes i don't know um, uh, i don't own a robe uh, maybe too personal for you but uh but ro- a, lot, a lot of robes have corners right there it 's just kind of round and so uh, what would take place is that is that uh so that they wouldn't have to sew fringes, that's what God commands the people, sew fringes or tassels on the corners of your garments. And the idea is so that so that whatever direction you go, all four corners of the earth, north, east, west, south, that you always remember the commands that God has given you. And people didn't want to go and spend all the time sewing fringes on every piece of clothing. And so, so the tally, the, the prayer shawl, this is more of a fashionable one uh, in, in traditional Judaism, maybe a whole lot larger, but they, they wear this, and when you, when you cover your head, that's going into your prayer closet. It's really important to understand culture, otherwise we lose it. But the reason that I say that is because God had said, so fringes or tassels on the corners of your garments, and these uh, are called tzitzit, and on them are five knots, there's eight cords, five knots with for a total of 13. Uh, There are uh, 613 total laws in the Old Testament, in the law and the prophets. And we've talked about this a lot. I love the Hebrew language, but each letter in the Hebrew language represents a number. And when added together, they also represent something. And so uh, they would have these eight cords uh, on the end of a tassel they would be wrapped a certain amount of times actually uh, if you were to count all of it you would come up with uh, the same amount of, of letters that are in the Ten Commandments right there's a whole lot that we could go so deep on this but there's five knots and eight cords for a total of thirteen then if you took the word tassel in Hebrew tzitzit and you gave it a numeric value you would have the, the number six hundred so 600 plus the 13 is 613, the number of commands in the Old Testament. Why do I say this? Because there were so many rabbis and teachers that taught that this was the greatest command. Why? Because, because all of the law and the prophets hang on these commands. And the, the, the issue is and the problem is is that, is that they felt that the greatest command that you could have was was an activity, right? what was was this was like an outward action They put that first. That we've got to obey the law. we've got to obey the law. we've got to obey the law. Jesus, what do you think the most important law is? And he says, Love the Lord, your God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself that's that's what all these hang off of. that that's what's most important is The love that you have received from God, the love that you give back to God, and the love that you show other people, is, but it's true agape love. It is sacrificial. It's the giving of yourself fully, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. We so often can fall into this idea of activity is our faith. If I just do this and this and this and this and my list of 600 things that I think God wants for me, then he's going to go, oh, great job. But what does the Apostle Paul says? say? He, says, he said, look, I could speak in the tongues of angels, right? I could preach messages like nobody has ever preached before. I could serve uh, people around the other side of the globe. But if I don't do it with a foundation and love, if love is not the reason that I'm doing it, then I'm just making noise. It's of no value whatsoever. It's got to start with the foundation of being loved and then receiving that love and giving it back to God. And then out of that flows a love for others. Why should we be obedient to what it is that God has called us to? Because we love the Lord for all that He is and all that He's done for us. The one true God who rescued us from slavery, rescued us from our sin, and gave us new life. Contrary so often to religious belief, obedience, action, does not equal love. However, true love produces obedience. That's that's how we're supposed to live. It starts with God. It all starts with Him. And then, and then we understand who he is, and we just go, you mean to tell me the God of the universe that created all things sees me, loves me, cares about me? The return then is, I love you. And then, and then it's, he loves each and every one of the people around us, our neighbors. And so with that same love, I want to love. And so we respond fully to God, and Jesus takes them back to God's command. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's fundamental. It's foundational for faith. Even even Joshua, it wasn't just like Moses said this, but even Joshua in chapter 22, verse 5, he was dividing up the land among all of the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And, And Joshua says to them, be careful to observe the law that Moses gave to you, To love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to cling to him, to serve him with all your heart and soul. Joshua, it helps people to understand it. Remember all the laws that, that you have to live as you go into this new land, but it starts. Do not forget to love God with all that you have, with all that you are. And then everything else will flow out of that. The way God words it, the way Moses words it, the way Joshua worded it, the way Jesus words it is that it's not about just serving God uh, out of activity with just our hands, but it starts with our heart and our soul, at the center of our being. And then, it, and then it moves to our mind, and it moves to our, our strength, our hands and what we do, but it, it starts here, understanding how much we're loved and our response to God by loving Him. Like the Shema, remember the God that saw you, chose you, rescued you, gives you promises, gives you a new life by nothing of your own doing. That's the most amazing part. Only by God's mercy, only by God's grace. And so a love for God starts with incredible gratitude that we're seen, that we're loved, that we're accepted by Him through Jesus Christ. And the love that we're called to is a deep devotion. That's the relationship we should have with someone who sees past everything that we think is a mess in our lives, and he says, "I will still take you, my, my one and only perfect and holy Son. I am going to sacrifice for you." That that changes us. We, we the response that we have is, "I can't, I can't believe it." That you would choose me. First John 4.19 sums it all up. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. We, we don't move first. God moved first. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us in his image. He brought us into this world. He protects us. And he, each and every day allows us to, to breathe and enjoy, and, and we've got people around us. And, our identity is in who He has made us to be, not in what other people tell us that we are, whether positive or negative. And so our response is, God, I love you. But going back to John's words, we love because He first loved us, it's not a matter of, okay, uh, I've got to try really hard. I've got to love God. I have to love God. But it's bigger than that. It's not, it's not a feeling. That we have, it's so much more than that. John says, "Whoever confesses Jesus as the Son of God abides in Him, and, and God uh, and He in God." He goes on to say in verse sixteen, "So we've come to know and and we believe the love that God has for us. We choose to live into it based on who God is, the Almighty." we love him with all of our being heart and soul which then drives what we think about him and and what we do for him deuteronomy moses says love lord your god with all your heart soul and might jesus uses mind in mark's gospel he uses he says that jesus said both might and mind but it all implies the same truth that That we would know and understand God in all of his greatness. How do we do that? We study his word. We dig deep into it to find out what it is that he wants us to know about himself. And what we find is not only a great God, but a graceful God, a God of mercy and love. And then our response is you can have all of me. All of me. You're what matters. Because what you love then will steer the trajectory of your life. What you value, your life will go that way. How do, you, how do I love God more? You, you put him at the top of the list. He is your focus in life. And if you place him at your focus, then, and your filter is, is his will, his desires, his word, The more and more we live into it, the closer we get to Him and that relationship grows and we just fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Him. Love Him with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He's top priority in your life. Focus on Him and your life will begin to steer that way more and more every day. Because who God is and what He desires will set the trajectory for the rest of of your life. Invest all the best of who you are into the one who is the greatest and the one that's deserving of it all. Obedience means nothing without love. It starts there. William Barclay commentary on this says it must be a love that dominates all of our emotions, directs our thoughts, and is the dynamic of all of our actions. What you give the most attention to is what you love, and Jesus says that's the first and greatest commandment. Because of its intent, it outweighs them all. Because everything else, obedience to the law, depends on whether or not you love God. If you don't love God, obedience to the law means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then Jesus does something. He answers a question that they didn't ask, which he's really good at. But he says, and the second is like it. They're like, well, we didn't ask what what the second greatest is. But Jesus says the second is just like the first. What he's trying to do is help them to understand you need to think bigger. This is not just about you. God did not put you on this earth to just have a relationship with you, and it's just you and you alone, because what had happened? God created Adam. Adam was alone. God said, this is not good. It's the first thing that he created. He says, look, it's not good for you to be alone. So he creates uh, someone to be in a relationship with him. He gives him a wife. He gives them Eve, because the understanding is, is that we are to live in the best way that we can reflect our relationship with God. We talked about this last week, is a relationship with those around us, with others. So Jesus says, while we're at it, while we're talking about it, the greatest commandment is to love God. The second is just like it. Love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus is doing is, he's going back and helping the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to understand what, what they are already saying, because they want to know about the laws, and Jesus says it's actually a law. It's found in the book of Leviticus 19, verse 18, and then... And, and Uh, That statement is, is the final statement in a much longer passage so that we can understand it. But this is how it begins in verse 9 of 19. God says, when you harvest your land, don't take from the edges, don't pick up what falls to the ground. Leave it for the sojourner. In other words, leave it for the traveler that you don't even know. that, That they would have food. Leave it for the poor, the orphans and the widows, the ones that can't take care of themselves. In other words, when you raise your farm, don't believe that you're just doing it for yourself to gain as much as you possibly can. God wants you to use your farm to take care of others. But he goes on. Don't steal from each other. Don't lie to each other. Don't oppress your neighbor or steal from him. Pay what you owe one another. Don't treat anybody poorly because they might have a disability. Don't show partiality. Don't slander or gossip. Don't murder. Don't hate in your heart. Don't take advantage of one another, but love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus is saying this, they know all that has prefaced this command. It means that I need to treat people with actual the actual true love of God. What it is that he desires of me. It's not just a sentimental feeling toward people, okay? As Christians, we have no basis or right to ever say, well yeah, I love I love everybody as if it's just some ethereal feeling. It's We have to see each and every individual as knitted together in their mother's, mother's womb by God Himself, made in His image, and each and every person with a purpose and a reason for being here on this planet. And we are to come alongside people and help one another to build each other up, to do the work that God has called us to do. Every person is valuable. If you have never heard that yourself for yourself hear that today. God sees you as incredibly valuable and he wants to use you in the kingdom, but he wants a relationship with you first because he made you, he created you, he put you on this earth and he gave his perfect son's life up for you. It's hard to believe because I know in this day and age that we live in, a lot of people grew up never hearing that they had value, never hearing that they were cared for, always hearing negative things are you ever going to amount to anything and we have told ourselves that lie because every time we stumble over something and we fall or a relationship ends we think what's wrong with me but let me tell you that god in his mercy regardless still loves you and desires deeply that we all have a relationship with his son because that creates in us a new creation Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in what Christ has done for us. And a disciple of Jesus Christ finds their identity in Christ and Christ alone. Saved by grace. And that's what we're supposed to see when we see people around us. Rather than, oh, they did this to me, or they said this about me, or they don't live the same way I do. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's told in the Old Testament. I mean, we read all of that in Leviticus. Here, Don't do anything to anybody that you wouldn't want them to do to you. That's that's what this passage means. Or it could also mean do to others exactly what you wish they would do for you. You, Depending on which rabbi, which teacher you talk to, that's how they interpreted it. I say it's both. That's That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do anything to somebody that you wouldn't want them to do to you. And do for others what you wish, what you dream about. What do you wish somebody would do for you? Jesus says that's how you show the love of God. You go and and you move first. You, You do it for them. It's placing people at an incredibly high value. I'll tell you what it's not, though. Be very careful. Because in this day and age, to love others as you love yourself, people would say, the world wants to tell you, well, you can't love others until you love yourself. I'm sorry, Scripture doesn't say that. Right? There's nothing in the Bible about self-love. What is the Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul is a great example. He, he beats himself up. I don't do the things that I want to do, and I do the things that I don't want to do. Argh! Right? That's not, I would say that's not self-love, but he says, but I have a Savior that's rescued me and redeemed me. And I'm gonna, I want to live into that as my identity. When we understand that, that we're sinners who've been saved by grace... We fall more in love with Jesus. We want to be more like Him. And then we go around, we look at people going, man, I hope that they know that as well. I hope that they know that they're as valuable to God as anybody else. Where do you place a value of of other people? Do you love people? Do you live out that love among others? Romans 13.10, Paul says, love does no wrong." to a neighbor. If you look in Luke, uh, at, at the uh, a little bit of a, uh, a a telling of the same idea when somebody asks Jesus about it, how do I get internal life? And Jesus says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus responds with the story of the good Samaritan. And and that would have blown people's minds because he's talking to a group of Jews who would have seen the story. The parable was that a man was Dying and bloody, had been robbed, was laying in a ditch, and all of the good Jewish people passed by him and didn't give him the time of day. Why? Because they were doing the right thing in their minds, not touching a dead body, not getting blood. They were. They felt like I'm doing the righteous and the holy thing. And Jesus says, No, no, no. The righteous and the holy thing is not in not in the mind. It's from the heart. And the heart going to the mind, and it's the Samaritan who is the enemy of the Jews who stopped and picked the man up, put him on his donkey, took him to a, a, a home where he could be cared for and paid his bills. Jesus says, that's loving your neighbor. So it's, yes, it's the person next door to you, but it's also uh, the person that's furthest away from you in your heart that you can't stand, your enemy. And Jesus says, well, love, and they won't be your enemy anymore. Here's the, here's the, let me give you one uh, more law. That if you, if you would read it without, out out of its context, and it's so perfect in, in this passage, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 8. Strange. So if you're in construction business, a carpentry business, this is a good one. God, God is too. What he says in Deuteronomy 22, 8, when you build your new house, he says, make a parapet for your roof that you wouldn't bring guilt of blood upon your house if anybody would ever fall from it. What a bizarre law that God would give. A parapet is that, that when you, because in the ancient times, uh, it was nice out all the time, and you didn't have a whole lot of money to build a huge house, so what you would do is you'd make sure that you could walk on your roof. You could entertain. That's where the, kind of the dining room was. And if you had people over, you go up on the roof of the house. And so God says, when you build yourself a new house, make railings, ledges around uh, the roof of your house so that your friends don't fall off, <laughs> right? What he's saying is when, when you're making plans for your life, I'm going to build a new house, it's going to be so great. He says, take into account your friends as well, your neighbors. It's kind of like when you, you're like, oh, I want to get a new truck, oh, but then everybody's going to ask me to help move. <laughs> get the truck. That's, why, that, that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying. Guys, Jesus is saying get a truck. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. When I was in youth ministry, I used to tell my wife all the time that uh, I think I should get jet skis. I could really use it for ministry. I'm not in youth ministry anymore. Uh, but, but the whole idea is, are you taking into consideration the people that are around you with every decision that you make? Do you love people the way that you love yourself? Romans 14, Paul says, if your actions are ever going to grieve somebody else, you're not walking in love. So walk in love. Even by what you eat, don't destroy the one for whom Christ died. So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. This is God's word for us. I want to give you today um, one piece of action, one one way that you can live this out. Very practical. Uh, I've been using it for over a year now. Uh, our elders, our staff have been using it for a while. There's it, a website, it's called blesseveryhome.org slash centurybaptist. So if you want to look that up when you get home, you can. Um, but it, it's going to look something, it's an app. You can put it on your phone, you can go on, on to the web. This, this is, It's just a tool that we want to offer you uh, for how you can love your neighborhood really, really well. Now, people start to freak out about this because there's information on this, there's nothing on this that isn't public domain. It's a national, a global website uh, that we just kind of say, yeah, we would love to be a part of this. So what happens when you sign up for this, you then uh, put in your address and I'll tell you, it already will know it, uh, right? And it, but, but what happens is, is that uh, you can kind of set a grid on, on this map of your neighborhood of how many houses that you would like to pray for. And then it will give you the names of all of the people that own those homes. So if you have homes in your neighborhood where people rent like we do, you got to go find out names and you can put it in there. Uh, but but what it is is then every day at 10, 10 a.m. for me, you can set it, 10 a.m., it sends me five names of my neighbors. And, and and then a passage of scripture and a prayer that that I can pray over them in in the hopes that that God would do great things in them. And then you can, you can kind of track it. So it starts off with, I'm just going to keep praying for my neighbors. And then if maybe there's ever an opportunity where maybe they lose a loved one or there's an accident or something, then you can hit the care button. Like, I've cared for them. And then you can, it's just personal. Your, your information is not shared, but you can kind of keep a journal about what's going on in their lives. What are their kids' names? What are their pets' names, you know, what are their needs? And you can keep track of that by caring for them. And then you can also hit the next button up uh, if you ever get a chance to share the gospel. And, and then the next is then, there's a button then that you believe that they're a disciple of Jesus Christ, that they now can go out and begin to pray and care, and share with the neighborhood. And so it's just a a tool that you can use, but we use the, make sure that you, that you use the the link. If you want to bring up the next slide, there's a QR code. Pull out your phones, people. Uh, But you can take a picture of that. This is going to connect you uh, to the Century Baptist family in total. And, uh, and going to allow us, we as leaders, the, uh, the administrators of that will be able to go on and we'll be able to see the whole city of Bismarck, Mandan, and surrounding communities as to where Century Baptist is having an impact in their neighborhood. It, but it starts with, yes, praying for our neighborhood, but where does it really start? It starts with love. We care. We care about people. We care enough that we don't want to see people go to hell. And spend an eternity separated from God. We also care enough that we don't want people to have to live hell on earth right now. That they need Jesus. They can understand what life and life abundant is. So this is, this is like the very basic. But it's a tool that we can use on how we can love our neighbors. And we can be for our city. And we can believe in the best of people. Jesus ends the statement by saying all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Loving God and loving others. He's getting deeper, as we talk about deeper than obedience, or spending your time trying to figure out what most what's most important in life. He's getting to the heart of what it truly means to be a child of God, to be in a relationship with Him. The people that were confronting Jesus were about the rules, the laws. Jesus never engaged in the argument. He just broadened their Perspective and open their eyes to the heart of it all. You can have what you believe is the greatest understanding of the Word of God, but if your desire to live it out is selfishly driven, thinking that you're going to gain something from it, rather than doing it because we've already gained all that there is, it means nothing. Love is where it starts. True love, God's love, agape. It's the supreme obligation. And the greatest example of, of these great commands to love God with all you are and to love others like you love yourself the greatest example is the gospel. It's Jesus himself, who gave up everything to leave the glory of heaven to come down to this earth, and to be obedient to the Father because of his love for him, and to give his life up for us. May we do the same for the people around us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. All we can do, God, through this, this is just such good news today. We're loved, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it. We're loved because you decide to give it to us. That is called amazing grace, and we're grateful for it. Help us to live it out, God, in our lives. Help us to love our neighbors But Father, may it come from a deep relationship with you first. Thank you. We love you. Amen.